Today on the podcast, a mantelpiece moment that highlights the pettiness of artists, a novel that will make you wish you were not reading a biography, and of course, the weekly reveal to what magical book I have pulled down from my to-be-read shelf. All of that and more this week on A Novel Review. Hello and welcome to the literature podcast, A Novel Review. My name is Seamus, your host, and together we will discuss, dissect, and explore the wonderful world of literature, and the wonderful world of literature is a vast and dense jungle, so let's start making our way through, one book at a time. Hello, good day, and welcome to the beginning of another episode of A Novel Review a podcast exploring the wonderful world of literature. My name is Seamus and I am your host. And for today's episode, a biography by Richard Wright. But before I jump into this book, I always take a moment to reflect on any mantelpiece moments, something to highlight from the week past. And this week, a rather funny one, a very, very petty one. I read this thing about Beethoven. I was sort of doing a bit of listening to Beethoven and then I decided to do a bit of reading about Beethoven. And I read it online, so, I mean, it has to be completely true then, am I right? Basically, the song for Elise, which I'm sure we all know the beginning tune of, he actually wrote for one of his students that he was in love with, and her name was Therese. Now, rumour has it she was not the most gifted students, so Beethoven made the melody really easy so that even she could play it, which is kind of condescending in its own way, but also very kind of a bit nice as well. But then, disaster struck when Mr. Beethoven found out that Therese was already engaged to be married, and so he made the rest of the song really complex and difficult to play because then he knew that she would always fail to play it. And if that isn't the most hilariously petty background to one of the most iconic songs in the human history of music, then I don't know what is. Housekeeping, as always, all the scripts from the episode are available on my website, just in case you know of anyone who has a hearing impairment who might get a kick out of a written version of the pod. So head along, they are all free for use for all to enjoy. Also, all the episodes are available on YouTube with closed captions, if that's more your cup of tea. And of course, lastly, sorry, don't forget to like, subscribe, five stars, just help other people find this pod. Black Boy by Richard Wright. Now, a friend told me about this book years ago, and I inevitably put it on the pile of books to buy and therefore read if I ever saw it out. The list is actually just a list on my phone, but that's completely, that's a complete side note, waste of time. Anyways, fast forward to the present day, and I found myself in a lovely, chaotic bookshop, and there was a ragged old copy of the book. One pound seemed like a reasonable cost for a book, and so without reading the back of the book, without really knowing anything about the book, I picked it up, paid for it, and left. There is a reason I'm telling you all this, don't worry. So I got home and sat down, started reading the first few pages, just to see what it was that I was in for, and I mean, I was instantly hooked. The story seemed so insanely crazy, It almost seemed unbelievable, and I mean, at this point in time, I was fine because I was reading fiction. 
Within the first few pages, the main character, who is a boy, had accidentally burned down his family home. That is one of the first things you read. Now, as I was reading this, I learned that the boy's name was Richard, which didn't really stir anything in me because I have read plenty of books where the main character of the story shares the name of the person writing it, until suddenly it dawned on me about 50 pages in. This is not fiction, this is an autobiography, which is quite frankly, scary. So here is an overview. This is the story of Richard Wright's childhood from early memories until he is a young adult. I think it's around 22 years of age that he gets to. And basically, it is the life he lives and the struggles he faces as a young black man growing up in the South in America. On the cover, there is this quote from James Baldwin. Wright's unrelentingly bleak landscape was not merely that of the Deep South or of Chicago, but that of the world, of the human heart. This story is about Richard prowling the jungle streets in the South, a crazy compilation of stories and events such as being turned into an alcoholic by the age of six, fed drinks by people who, as is written, were too desperate to be decent even to each other. Going from job to job, dealing with a mother who is sick and suffers a stroke, a grandmother who is perhaps a bit too in touch with religion, a world that seems to act against him, Black Boy is the harrowing story of the childhood of Richard Wright. Now, because it is not a novel and instead an autobiography, it's actually kind of hard to do and talk about on an overview kind of sense because there is no clear storyline in the way that there probably would be in a novel. But that does not mean that we don't see developments, especially from the character or personal perspective, as this is someone growing up. In fact, this is one of the more interesting aspects of the novel. And I say interesting because it's incredibly sad, but it's one of the more interesting aspects of the novel. The portrayal of race, especially from the perspective of a black boy in a place like the South. Richard manages to elicit such a powerful form of honesty in the early stages of this novel. Well, I mean, actually throughout the entire novel, but I think in retrospect, having understood what he suffered through, it would have been easy for him to cast all these early thoughts to the wind, or better yet, not even remember them since they did come when he's like five, six, seven, eight, you know, in the early stages of life. It is an honesty that I have only seen so far also in the works of Maya Angelou, and it's this honesty to the self about the situation they were in, this honesty about the confusion of racism, such a potent and lethal poison that infected too much of society and was played out all too often. In the early stages of the novel, Richard is confused about the racial divide. He is young and innocent, and I mean, like, actually, no, he's not, he's not young and innocent because that almost seems patronizing in a situation like this, as if his thoughts were naive and ridiculous. No, he's not young and innocent in these early stages of his life when, you know, he saw black and white as, when he saw black and white people as essentially the same people, he was simply just a human exercising what should be the most natural response to humanity. This is a quote that captures his confusion. This quote comes a little later in the story, and Richard has just left a job after suffering racial abuse, but it still captures his confusion about the racial divide. And the quote goes, I walk down Capitol Street, feeling that the sidewalk was unreal, that I was unreal, that people were unreal, yet expecting somebody to demand to know what right I had to be on the street. My wound went deep. I felt that I had been slapped out of the human race. 
When I reached home, I did not tell the family what had happened. I merely told them that I had quit, that I was not making enough money, that I was seeking another job. I felt that I had been slapped from the human race. A boy growing up in a world he can't make sense of because of something that shouldn't matter. And yet, despite reading such heartbreaking lines as this, Richard still has this honesty, the you know, this courage to write his thoughts. Thoughts that go a little something like this. For weeks after that, I could not believe in my feelings. My personality was numb, reduced to a lumpish, loose, dissolved state. I was a non-man, something that knew vaguely that I was human, but felt that it was not. As time separated me from experience, I could feel no hate for the men who had driven me from the job. They did not seem to be individualistic men, but part of a huge, implacable, elemental design towards which hate was futile. What I did feel was a longing to attack, but how? And because I knew of no way to grapple with this thing, I felt doubly cast out. The fact that, despite suffering under the tides of racism, despite being abused for something he can't control, despite being driven from something he wanted, Richard still had not just the strength, but also the resolve to recognise that racism was an idea that was not representative of all white people. But despite this, this strength, Richard suffers and a natural dislike does form, maybe even hatred forms towards white people, born from fear, experience, disgust, camaraderie even. One of Richard's earliest memories is that of his uncle being lynched. He knows people that are killed, he sees people oppressed. He has to keep his head low and be polite to people who do not deserve the respect. Perhaps one of the best parts of this book is the writing itself. Richard has such a control of the text, such an understanding of what is being written and the importance of it that the sentences just roll through easily and even build upon themselves to deliver some really remarkable writing. It is this kind of thing that really draws you into the text and make you not only understand, but also feel the world that is being presented to you. This was my first time reading Richard Wright but it definitely will not be my last. And for that reason, I'm giving this book a 4.2 out of 5. So what am I reading this week? This week, I am still tearing my way through some big boy books. And so I don't want to repeat myself. So today, I'm going to give you a little literary fact and... I mean, as I said earlier in the show, this one is sort of also up in the air in terms of believability. I feel like a lot of these literary facts always begin with, you know, like supposedly and apparently. But still, here we go. Robert Louis Stevenson, who perhaps is most known for his novel Treasure Island, also wrote The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in Three Days, which he then asked his wife to read. She was so frightened by it that she asked him not to publish it, and Stevenson threw it in the fire and therefore watched his only copy go up in flames. Now, Stevenson became so taken with the story that he had just destroyed, he rewrote it again in another three-day frenzy and published it. And that is the copy we have today, which is amazing to consider, because it just kind of makes you wonder how different the first copy was to the second. Now, 
Before I close out the show, if you have listened this far, please consider hitting those five stars. I would really appreciate it. Also, feel free to head along to the website and support the pod. And of course, thank you, thank you, thank you for your attention. So I think it's time to end this episode. And today to take us away, I think a quote from Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And it goes a little something like this. Quiet minds cannot be perplexed or frightened, but go on in fortune or misfortune at their own private pace, like a clock during a thunderstorm.